0: He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. Andy Hall's giving Laser Hellraisers his plus one, an exclusive conversation you won't hear anywhere else on today's edition of Hall Access. Joining me via the Laser Hotline and for the very first time, a conversation with the Black Keys drummer, Patrick Carney. Hey, Andy. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. I appreciate you taking the time for us today, man.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for uh, having me
0: on. The Iowa State Fair is officially underway, and we're just a few short days from the Black Keys' arrival playing the come-and-go stage at the Grandstand on Monday with the Velveteers. We're excited to have you.
1: We're excited to be there. Well, you know, we're actually not playing a concert. We're just we're submitting our largest pumpkin that we've grown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad that's where we went here. You could have gone any number of ways, whether you're, you know, <laughs> dip in the waffle cones or you're, uh, you know, in the livestock area or, you know, Patrick, Iowa's an interesting place this time of year, especially during election season. We're the first in the nation caucus state, so never a dull moment with politicians in particular. Oh, right. <laughs> that's right. I uh, find it interesting that in merely a month's time, your touring itinerary jumps from basically Israel to Iowa. Talk about exotic.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, we just got finished the European tour. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think we went to, you know, 10, 11 countries. But, yeah, we ended in Israel our first time there. Yeah, we've been kind of, we've been really busy, actually, this year. We've been in the studio January through May and then doing some summer tour some sh- summer shows in the U S. And then, uh, you know, put it, we're going to put a new record out next year.
0: Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, we started seeing evidence that the black keys had begun work on some new music with the pictures of you and Dan at sunset sound back in April. And then the two of you with the legendary Alice Cooper in Nashville back in May. So as it sits on August 10, Patrick, how are things progressing? And what, if anything, are you willing to share about what's coming out of the speakers?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the record's going to come out next year. And we'll announce the details, you know, closer towards the end of the year, but um, it's done. It's just being mixed. And, uh, you know, the only, I guess the only thing, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, it's its mostly a collaborative album. We worked a lot with Beck, and we worked with Noel Gallagher from Oasis, and we worked with um, Dan the Automator, uh, the producer who we've been a fan of for a very long time. So it, we've just been, uh, you know, kind of jet-setting around... You know, between uh, London and L.A. and working in Nashville the, the first five months of the year's grinding. And uh, and now we're in that spot where we're just, you know, we we have this guy, the engineer, that mixes our records. So we're just waiting for him to finish, but there's just a lot of songs he's going through. So it's been taking a while. But We're really happy with it. I think it's our best record.
0: We can't wait to hear it. In terms of the collaborative effort you alluded to, how does that conversation begin? Is it a situation where you have a demo and someone says, hey, I bet this would be awesome with so-and-so singing on it, or in the case of like Good Love, for example, from Dropout Boogie, having a Billy Gibbons playing on it? How does that conversation start?
1: Well, a song like Good Love on the last record, um, that was just written on the spot with Billy Gibbons was in Nashville and we asked him to come by the studio and we just sat down and he was in the studio for maybe a total of an hour Um, and 45 minutes of that was us just jamming and that was one of the songs we came up with on the spot and that's the take you know so with with the stuff we're doing now it comes in various ways sometimes we'll have a song or a groove that we started and we'll play it for someone and see if they have any ideas and sometimes we just build it from scratch with the whoever we're working with. But it's always Dan and I mostly creating the music, um, unless we're working with another producer and then and then it's very collaborative from the ground up.
0: 2019's Let's Rock followed a pretty lengthy hiatus for the Black Keys and marked the first release since Magic Potion in 2006 that you and Dan produced yourselves. The two of you had uh, spent a decent amount of time there between Turn Blue and Let's Rock in the producer's chair for a handful of other artists. And I believe the Velveteers actually was one of them, come to think of it. But uh, taking on that sole custody of the sound of your records in addition to the creative process itself, do you ever see yourselves relinquishing that role going forward?
1: Well, you know, we we started the band, the band kind of just, it, it, it started with, because Dan and I like to record, um, we like to make music on, on our four tracks. So we would get together and just kind of, uh, four track cassette recorders. So we would get together and just make stuff. And then we, after we made our first record, the label that we were on, was like, you know, you guys have to play concerts in order to like promote your music. <laughs> so we didn't, we never played a concert until after we finished our first record, you know. But recording's always been, the thing that was the most exciting, um, you know, initially. Uh, but, you know, Brothers was something that we made that was, ex- except for the song Tighten Up, which Danger Mouse uh, produced, the, the rest of the 14 songs and that we did ourselves. Um, yeah, you know, we've been working with uh, other producers on this record here and there. We definitely aren't opposed to it. It's just a different process. We're, at this point, we're kind of open to whatever. There's certain things that we're really. Um, picky about as far as like the sonic quality of the music uh, the way the drum sound or vocal sound uh, but when it comes to produ- uh, working with producers who are you know very musical like Danger Mouse or Dan the Automator or something, um, those are the easiest collaborations for us because they don't, you know, we're all on the same page about the Sonic, so then it just goes straight into the music.
0: That makes sense. How do you determine when a demo is ready to be recorded? Is, it, is the urge to perpetually tinker a struggle at all, or is there a definite endpoint where it's either good enough or it's not?
1: So we never make demos. We just kind of so- make final tracks, you know, so if we work on a song and we don't feel like it's right, you know, then we just probably will either try to retool what we have a little bit, or we'll or we'll just kind of move on. Um, but we've never sat around and just recorded demos, and then gone into the studio because we write in the studio as well. You know, it's like the process for us is like go to the studio, make up a song. When we when we did Attack and Release with uh, with Danger Mouse, we booked eleven days in the studio, and and in that case, we did have like three songs that we had written beforehand but the rest of it we pretty much made up we did like a song a day and that's kind of it used to be we would do we could do like a song a day and now i think to get a final song it's like we'll get a start in one day and we'll put it away and come back to it and usually it's about three days for us to finish the whole song
0: so it's not a case where like there's unused riffs or song ideas that get shelved and then revisited later on with fresh ears it's not one of those you're very in the moment
1: um we yeah you know what we have this kind of like i guess archive of unreleased Bits and songs and things, and at this point, it's like you know, over a hundred things, and we've never gone back to pull stuff
0: from it. Technology is such where you can keep that stuff on hand. I suppose it had to have been a lot more difficult back in the day for people to try to remember these things. They probably had to chart everything out, which would have been a headache. But uh, speaking of technology, Patrick, it's changing so much in terms of how things are being recorded. And, of course, you can make the most perfect-sounding thing on Earth. You guys don't strike me as somebody who's that precious about that. Like, you actually just want it. Like, here's the vibe of the song, and here's what we are feeling. And we want that. We want to present that to everybody.
1: When we first started you know we just kind of you know we just worked within our means we didn't have money to go to a real studio and that was actually probably a good thing because uh you know it forced us to kind of learn how everything works and do it ourselves um and through that process you know you start listening to other people's records that you love and wondering how you get those sounds and you, you know and so we when we first started we were working on the cassette uh, then we moved to like reel to reel and early Pro Tools, and we've been through every format. And you know, at this point, we both love. You know, we we haven't recorded the tape in years, but we mix down to it sometimes. Um, but the the secret is, uh, we discovered a long time ago that if you use the microphone preamplifier, the thing that makes the uh, you know the microphone loud enough to, to have signal to record, we use you know a lot of old tube. Uh, preamps from the early 60s, late 50s. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's weird because if your drums are tuned right and you have the right microphone and stuff and you just turn those on without any other EQ or compression, it can start, you know, it kind of, it just sounds classic, you know. And I think that's the kind of, that's the goal, is to make stuff that sounds fun, I guess. That's kind of also the thing. I can't really listen to a lot of rock records from the 80s because they embraced, like, uh, that you know, early digital reverb and stuff all over the recordings. And it, it just sounds... It, even as a kid, you know, I remember listening to, you know, whatever would be, being you know, a Def Leppard or something, and just, I couldn't get past the the sonic fingerprint. It just was not appealing to me. And my dad, you know, you know born in 1949, he grew up, you know, listening to all classic rock, and he would put on something like Led Zeppelin or, or Creedence Clearwater Revival, and it was, to me always just sounds so much better than whatever was on the radio.
0: Yeah, man. Two of my favorite bands you just mentioned there. Patrick Carney is my special guest. The Black Keys are playing the Iowa State Fair Grandstand on Monday night with the Velveteers. Tickets are available at iowastatefair.org. So at this point, 11 studio albums, numerous EPs, covers, your involvement with Black Rock. You've got a ton of great songs. How difficult is it to draw up a set list for the Black Keys in 2023?
1: Well, you know... Um We just did a run of European festivals, and, you know, at this point, I think that, you know, we go into those scenarios kind of like we will with, like, you know, the Iowa State Fair, which is, assume that most people aren't that familiar with the music, so, when you're doing a big show like that, it's, you know, you've got to go to the songs that people know heavily, you know, and I know, like, it's funny, because when I first got into music, it was like, 1991, 92, I was eleven, twelve, and I remember being obsessed with uh, uh, Nirvana and reading that they wouldn't play "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Uh, you know, I guess because they were maybe embarrassed by the success of it or something. Um, but you know, Radiohead wouldn't play "Creep" for a long time. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I have to say, like when you're in front of a lot of people and you play a song that everybody knows, there's no, there's no better feeling being on stage and watching the crowd react to it, you know, so that's the goal. You know, last night we played a show in um, in Nashville, just kind of a small show where we did exclusively hill country blues covers, you know, no hits, and uh, the crowd knew what we were, that that's what we were going to do, um, and it's a completely different energy, it's fun, it's really fun, but it is. It's not the same as playing Lonely Boy to, you know, 50,000 people.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Patrick, I really appreciate you taking the time for me again today. The show is Monday night. The Black Keys playing the come-and-go stage of the Grandstand. And, hey, if you want to enter some produce, you can. there's still time to get that blue ribbon, buddy.
1: All right, yeah, we got a 1,200-pound pumpkin we're bringing in.
0: So. <laughs> there will be a few of those on the fairgrounds, my friend. We uh, <laughs> look forward to having you here in Des Moines, Iowa. Thanks again so much for the time, and we're really looking forward to hearing that new music early next year.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on.